Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. Hope you're having a wonderful day. You are listening to or watching the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Church Blissett, and I have an awesome new co-host here with me, Joshua Crouch. Uh, if you happen to not see our um, couple of videos that we created and everything, um, introducing Josh, we're going to do a full episode, really just letting y'all everybody know um, Josh's background. He's been on the show actually also, but um, just for anybody who might have missed it, we're going to do another episode for that. But uh, I just am super excited to have Josh here. And uh, real fast, Josh, would you say hey and uh, do a quick intro of yourself? Hey, everyone. I am Joshua Crouch, uh, formerly about uh, nine years in the HVAC industry. Uh, the last 15 months or so, I've been primarily serving the HVAC plumbing electrical industry from a marketing perspective. So I now own Relentless Digital, um, which is a digital marketing company focused on organic uh, growth for your company. And uh, super excited to be teamed up with Tersh here as uh, we've known each other for a bunch of years through multiple coaching courses and everything else. So it's awesome to be able to uh, be a part of this and, and hopefully give back to all of you awesome uh, home service and, and commercial service businesses that uh, could, uh, could truly care about your customers and your business. Perfect. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> With that being said, uh, also, I'd like to introduce uh, David and Dusky. And David is with uh, Incon, and they're based out of um, Ocean, um, New Jersey. And uh, they uh, really, the David's backstory is really actually really awesome and amazing. Uh, took over the business uh, in like 2000-ish. Uh, was at three to four million a year. Shifted everything over to more of a digital plan and really started utilizing modern technology um, and has gone, grown that business up to 35 million in 2019. And so we're going to talk a lot about some amazing things about how he grew it. But also our main focus on today's show is going to be about uh, indoor air quality. And if you've read the title, you call it the title, uh, what IAQ is good IAQ. So what type of indoor air quality is actually the good type of indoor air quality or, or um, are we creating more harm than we are good? So anyways, with that being said, uh, welcome to the show, David. Well, thank you very much. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So tell us, give a better explanation of your background what makes you an uh, an expert in the industry and and um tell us a little bit about how you got to where you're at now certainly um so i had the privilege of growing up in the business my father started the company in 1968 um we say he's our resident expert our chief firefighter he's 83 still comes to work every day so i do have the privilege of being in a generational business and we still get to share thanksgiving dinner together um so it's a rarity sometimes in a business but I came into the business full time in about 1992. Um, grew up, grew up in the field, wearing the tools, hanging ductwork, making ductwork, working in the shop, and grew over the years. And um, as the business ebbed and flowed, we had a major marketing shift from the 90s to the 2000s, where we were, we really went from the public sector 100% in the private sector. Started building and building automation group, really focused on the service group, and like you said, we went from um, a lot of growth. A lot of growth organically, really never did a marketing campaign over the years, really just based on our reputation, the quality of the work we did and the quality of the customers we, we worked with and kept. 
Um, and it's really done well for us, both for our staff. We've got a lot of long timers here, people here longer than me. I, you know, I really give the credit of that culture that my father started, you know, long before I was here and uh, been able to keep and retain good, good people, which is very hard to do, especially in today's market. So with that transition from your father to you taking over reins, how was, how was that transition? I, I know I've, I've, you said you can still have Thanksgiving dinner together, which is, you know, we, we joke and laugh about that chuckle, but the reality is, is there's some transitions that are really not smooth. So ha- tell us about that. And, how, how'd you do it and, smoothly? And they're, they're, they're really not. And in all fairness to him, I give him all the credit. I, I, he allowed me to come in here and take his baby. And I, I never called his baby ugly. I just said, let's do things differently. <laughs> and, and I say that because, you know, we, we leverage technology. We've since gotten rid of all our file cabinets. And every time we do, he's like, where are we going to find things? I'm like, it's a server. We could do it. <laughs> um, and the more they embraced that different culture, the different um, evolution of it, the better it became. Um, and quite frankly, I think we're a better organization for it. And we're, we, we've grown because of it. But if he didn't allow me to, if he didn't give me the trust and confidence to do what I wanted to do differently, we never could have. And we subsequently may not have either, either worked together or couldn't share Thanksgiving together. And I say that half tongue in cheek because many of us know people in generational businesses that it tears their family apart. So I'm really proud of the fact and I, I thank him all the time that he's allowed me the ability to, to do that and a little differently than he would. Kudos to you guys, man. That's, that's an awesome story. You don't see that too often. We don't. And, you know, it's funny because we've done, uh, he and I did a podcast a few months ago together and it was, it's a laugh because it's like, you don't realize it as you're doing it. You know, it's kind of like, how do you boil the frog? It's a little bit of a time before you know it. It's like we were here, now we're there. How did we get here? And it's just like, and it's work. And we've had our troubles, and we've had our you know financial issues, and you know we we live in a volatile market that we all choose to be part of, and we trust each other. And it's great having a mentor that when he says he's got a problem, he owns the problem. I don't have to deal with him on it. And in his role today, we call him our chief firefighter. He does the things that he likes to do. Stays added day to day. We hire people. He walks around the hallway here. He's like, who is that person? Like, so, you know, in the world of COVID, we used to do a lot of events where we're making sure everyone knew each other was a huge part of who we are. And we're trying to figure out how to get that back, make sure we don't lose that out there. Um, we've had some growth. We acquired an organization during COVID. So our headcount went from 80 to 140 and mm-hmm. making sure that everyone knows, knows my father, knows the value proposition that we put to the table. Yeah, that's really cool because <clears throat> that 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 really says a lot about you because um, like you 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 didn't say it you didn't come out right and say it but a lot of times people this is our child like we've taken and nur- nurtured this business from the start <laughs> to to where it's at so this is our baby so it's almost 100%. like that was a sibling like the the business was a sibling to you whenever mm-hmm. you took over and so for if you had come in. And just said, <clears throat> well, this 
this child of yours is, is, <laughs> was raised completely wrong. <laughs> you know, you, you say that your dad had a lot to do with it, but, but I can hear through your voice that it was definitely a lot of you as well, understanding that it was his, his little child and, and he nurtured it and passed along to you and, and, and you're doing the same. So uh, like, like Josh said, kudos to you for sure on that. Um, well, thank you. With getting into indoor air quality, um, what do y'all do a lot of indoor air quality? And, and I guess you, you, you don't just do mechanical. Is that correct? We don't, we're really, uh, we call ourselves, you know, we, we, we do a lot of building solution stuff. Nowadays we do service and maintenance and repair. We do building automation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do design build. We do traditional mechanical work and we now are a full, full service electrical contractor. Um, mm. But we've, we've been, we really made a shift a long time ago into the commercial industrial space and the hospital market in the um, clean, clean room space, a lot of ISO rooms. So we've been using a lot of the, a lot of the words and terminology that became very, very media centered over the last, you know, since March of last year with COVID, you know, the words of ionization, the words of bipolar, mm. what does it mean? were things that we've been doing for years and none of the technology that was used and still being used is new to the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we've been doing this you know, and I like to think that we've become our own experts just because of the 15, 20 years we've been accustomed to how to use it and where to implement it. With that being said, you, you have a lot of experience in sterile hospital rooms and, and all of that. Um, do you find that, uh, the dual ionization or like a uh, halo or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Is that what, what you have always used in those, those types of atmospheres or have you brought fresh air in or, I mean, cause it seems like, especially in a sterile place like that, you'd have to really uh, filter it in order mm-hmm. to bring outside air in. Uh, you, you know, I think they're all important pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's one magic bullet for any environment, whether it's whether it's a school, whether it's your home. But ventilation is incredibly important. You know, we we stopped using the word fresh air years ago mm. and we use the word outside air <laughs> yeah. g- merely because we did a large project and next to it was a sanitation plant. <laughs> yeah. No one knew that. And they're like, why is all this smell coming in? So we stopped using the word fresh air. We bring in outside air. Um, yeah. But we monitor that. We can measure that. We same thing with ions and, and the halo and all the other technology and UV lights. UV lights has been doing a great job keeping coils clean for years. There's nothing new about that technology. HEPA filters, doing all that in conjunction with everything else to fit the best needs of the client and the use group is really what's important. We're big advocates to say there's not one thing that solves every problem. So how do um, you go into a building and and can tell what's going to solve what problem or how do you determine what their problem is? Uh, is this like an instant thing? Do you have a, like an instant measuring or you have to no, watch it all I, the time? I, I, I think it's, first of all, tremendous transparent communication with, with the end user. Mm-hmm. What are your real problems? What's really going on? Oh, we have mold. We have an odd smell. We have a sick building. We have a, this. We have customers that are, we have clients in our building that are getting sick. We can then um, we can then measure, validate, and clarify exactly what's going on. We have enough tools and instruments, and we already had part of our business unit. We do building automation, so we can see that in real time. 
we can monitor how many people are in the building versus how much outside air we need to bring in. You know, we, we do it in respect to the code, but regardless of the code, because there are times that we may need to bring in some more outside air and ventilation than the code says we have to. Um, there are times we may want to flush a building out. They just put in new carpeting, the VOCs we've got. There's only one way to get the VOCs out. We got to flush it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are different ways to do it. We do a lot of economizers. We do outside air optimization as our normal core business. But last year, the energy code, the ASHRAE, ASHRAE, the engineering community said, we're willing to bend the code of this right now and increase the outside air. And if it means we've got to run mechanical cooling, we live in the Northeast, so humidity is a huge part of our, our mm. normal business. And mold is as dangerous, if not long-term, more dangerous to a building than anything else we're talking about. And if you start growing mold in a wall in two, three, four years, we're going to have a whole new host of problems that people think, oh, I brought in you know 80 degree, 80% relative <laughs> humidity for a summer, and I thought I was doing a great job. And now everyone's really sick. Oh, yeah. So you need to be mindful of all of it. One thing, you know, none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. So with that being said, like, <clears throat> do you recommend that monitoring, like uh, the, the long-term monitoring and, and what we've, most of the conversation we've had here is um, commercial application, commercial industrial mm -hmm. type application. <clears throat> what, what, if any thoughts do you have on, the residential side of things. If someone's listening to this, their contractor for the residential um, industry or market, what could they take away from this whole um, thing, the conversation as well? I think on the residential side, again, the, the same product, same technology, same methods hold true. You know, there, you know, our government said MERV 13 filters is the answer. That's going to solve all our problems. But, you know, consumers didn't understand that your quarter horsepower blower motor can't push through a MERV 13 filter. And just because someone on TV said that's the answer, it's not the only answer. And all of a sudden we're freezing coils. So looking at filtration, filtration is a tremendously important part of the environment. How are you running your fan? Commercial applications, we run fans during the entire occupied mode. Most homeowners do not. They let the unit cycle on and off. Let the fan run all the time. So you're burning some fan horsepower, but you're constantly cleaning. You know, if you put in a, a halo or something in your environment, it only works if the fan's on. Yeah. So well, well, doing that. Leaving the fan in the on position, some would argue that it's going to, it's going to, you know, rip the condensation off the coil and rehumidify air and, and mm -hmm. stuff. Is it enough of a benefit, the filtration aspect of it, enough of a benefit to offset the lack of dehumidification potentially that could be going on? You know, I think it depends on your marketplace. Yeah. You know, some places that are in, in sure. high dry altitudes, it's not a concern. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's why, I, you know, I think the point is none of it happens in a vacuum. You got to look at all. <laughs> yeah, that's a good you, point. You've got to look at, you know, the, there are ways to, you know, in the dry, in our, in our climate, you know, in the Northeast, we get tremendously dry. So how are you, how are you doing your humidification in your house? How are you controlling to make sure you don't go above 60% mm. and keep that coil dry? So if you have a wet climate, put UV lights in on your filter, uh, on your coil, keep it clean, mm. clean the condensate pans, put the tabs in, do all the good general practice maintenance that should be done to keep that environment clean. Because if you've got green stuff growing and scaling your condensate pan, I don't care what kind of 
ionization you put in, you're, you, you'll have other sick issues. So you're telling so, me we have to do maintenance on systems? I'm telling you we've got regularly. We, oh. <laughs> man, you're just making all these rules. I just, uh, just don't even know. No, I, I'm sorry. We, we I, I'm told we make guidelines. We don't make oh, rules. Oh, it, that's oh, I love that. Yeah, we make. That's I'm writing that down. I love that. But, but in all seriousness, commercial or residential, there are good. There are best practices that should be followed, mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. You know, to, to the point of your home, if you've got cats or dogs or children with asthma, maybe you want to go to some other better HEPA filters. Maybe you want to get a better ECM motor on that blower housing to make sure you can push through it because it's important. Yeah. And also the, the, for anybody that's listening to this, then, then you're not an HVAC contractor and you haven't experienced this. Um, thank you for one, for listening to this or watching this. But uh, also, I, I hope that you understand that some big box stores will justify the extra cost of a, a better HEPA filter or a, you know, a MERV 13 filter um, with saying that it's a three month filter or even a six month filter. It's not the case. Like it's like you said, it's not in a vacuum. It's not every circumstance isn't the same. If you have Siberian Huskies and us in hardwood floors and your return grill is at the, you know, at the bottom of your wall, um, you're not going to go six months with changing on filter or, or even three months. Heck, you might not even go a month without having to change that mm-hmm. filter. Uh, the better filter, the more dirt it catches, the more it becomes a blockage. So just keep that in your mind too. And, and just to follow up on that point, we have no way to predict it until we do it in your environment for some time. So mm-hmm. where previously with a MERV 8, we changed it quarterly and we were fine. When mm-hmm. we go to a MERV 13, it may be monthly. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. And we won't know it until we live that for a little period of time and we get a better understanding of what really happens. Mm-hmm. Hey, David, I got to, so I, I love the uh, organic, organic growth side of your, your story. How do, do you guys go and approach uh, people that own buildings and ask them for a building owner? Do they come to you? How does that part work? We live in the referral based business and we, you know, we ask the question. If we're doing a good job for you, would you be willing to recommend us to 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 a friend, a co- colleague, co- you know, or a peer? And if the answer is yes, that's great. We appreciate that, and we'll take as good care of them as as we did you, because um, we know there are many, you know, many competent people out there, and we're only as good as our last job. We're only as good, you know, we only have our reputation. And I'm a big advocate to say we make mistakes, but we're really good at fixing our mistakes. And if we made a mistake, we own it, we live up to it, we honor it, and we fix it. And we try to over-communicate what we're doing and what happened. Because in our business, there's a lot of moving parts. And to say that we're perfect all the time, I don't think it's a fair testimonial (laughs) to what any of us do out there because it's hard. Josh, um, yesterday we were in, Josh and I were in a clubhouse, um, chat and, uh, someone brought up a really good question pertaining to, and you, you should be able to answer this a lot better than, than he or I could, um, yesterday in, in the call. And that pertains to, um, uh, reviews, Google, my business. Do you find that in the commercial and industrial space are, <clears throat> do you feel like you're affected by your GMB and your reviews as much as someone who say, or like a Yelp or anything like that, as much as someone who is like more residential focused, or maybe they're a hundred percent residential. You know, I don't, I don't think we are. 
Um, yeah. I think the commercial owner, especially we do a lot of property managers, a lot of remote ownerships. So it's just different. But, you know, you get a property manager that goes from company A or portfolio A to portfolio B. The telling testimonial is they bring you with you. Mm -hmm. If you didn't do a good job for them, they lose your number very quickly. The <laughs> yeah. best phone call we get is so-and-so has moved on. And when they get to their new, their new landing ground, they call you up and say to their existing ownership, hey, these are the guys that can fix these problems. They've done it before. And if you build that trust, to me, that's the best way to grow a business. Okay. So how would you it take... And I know Josh is going to ask the same question. That's why I'm just buttoning in and asking it. Um, if I if I am just starting out my business, like I just started it today, what would you say going down the same route that you're going commercial, industrial, want to want to take charge in indoor air quality and, and automation? Like, what would you say? Would you recommend the first couple steps to be value your customers? Um, they've all you. They're really your best source of future leads in business. And if there's a problem, first of all, communicate with them, trust them, treat them the right way. And, you know, especially in today's market, just call them back. Mm -hmm. You know, how many of us are trying to get work done somewhere and say, no one will call me back? Pick up the phone. And it's already, look, I find it, hey, we can't be out there next week, but how's the next week? And they're great. That's all they want is honest answers and just be truthful to them. You know, again, my father taught me when I, I have an older sister, my father said to me, when you start dating, treat anyone you date like you want someone to treat your sister. It's no different. And just treat them the, the way you want to be treated. And maybe you'll have a little growth. Maybe you have a lot of growth. I don't know. Maybe, you know, you, you figure out where that spot is for you, but all of a sudden, People start saying, hey, you know what? I called and they, they showed up. They did a good job for a fair price. Doesn't have to be the cheapest price, but a fair price. And if you make a mistake, own it. Hey, Mr. Mrs. Jones, we have we made your carpeting dirty. Here's how we're going to fix it. Here's what we're going to do. Don't run from it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's own crazy it. to me. It's really that simple. Like it, there's all these best practice groups and all this other stuff. And it's, it's literally just don't be a dick and take care of your customers. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally that simple and you'll grow your business, but it's so difficult for people to like, they, they're focused on all these like new things and the shiny object object syndrome. And they forget about the most important thing, your customers and your employees. Those are literally the two we, most important things you have. We, we spend more money. We spend as much money as we do on technical training for our techs and our staff as we do the social component of it. And you think it's silly. Here's how to say please. And here's how to say thank. You know, if we if if someone walks on a roof and I and I see a screw or a roofing now on the roof, it drives me crazy. Yes. And, and if I hear, oh, that that's not our. <laughs> I don't I don't care because when the owner walks up here, he doesn't know whose screw it is. He yep. thinks it's ours. So pick it up. Yep. Um, I I I we had a mechanic a few months ago show me a video that he went inside the blower compartment with a little electric um, blower. And he blew out all the leaves because when someone else walked up there, that's all they see. They don't know if the compressor's got the yep. superheater sub cool, and they don't care, but they see the way we take care of it. You know, if there's fingerprints around the thermostat, take out your little wipey, clean it. Dang, it costs David, you nothing. You, you are my, oh man. 
like you are preaching to a choir here. Like I'm recording all of this and I'm like, look, David Play said it back do to it. your team. Yeah. David said do it. It's not just me. David said the same thing. Like, and th- like you said, when somebody says, Well, that's how it was when I got here. <gasps> like that's when my just my head explodes. Like, oh, that's my ugh, don't say that word to me. And it's the same thing. You know, again, we only have our image. When, when you pull up to a, uh, an owner's building or a customer's house, have your van be clean. Don't open up your back door and have, you know, three days of work fall out because that's the impression you're making on how you're going to leave their environment. And no one wants to walk into Mrs. Jones's home basement and make it a mess. Yep. Nobody. That's all. Again, that's what they see. That's the perception that they have. I mean, a hundred percent. And, and so uh, what you're saying reminds me a lot of what um, a a guest of ours and a a good friend of ours, um, Steve Kosha, he teaches soft skills. He just travels Mm -hmm. the whole country teaching soft skills. And he's like, don't put anything on the dash. Nothing should be on the dash. When you open your door up, nothing should be falling out. You know, you you pull up in residential, you pull up so that they're the, they can peek out the window and see the side of your van. And you don't want a, a coat, lid or a coke bottle falling out of the van whenever you open the door up so and, and no one wants to know you know who you're affiliated with no bumper stickers on the vans um yes uh, you know ours you, may love, you can't put you can't put, put bumper stickers on ours because you're gonna be first would blow a gasket if they Ooh. did <laughs> yeah. you're touching all my good nerves here <laughs> oh this is funny cool david we are right up on our on our time limit here. I mean, this time has flown by. Uh, Josh, do you have any closing questions or comments here? Uh, I was going to have one one last thing. It was yeah. as far as the education of indoor air quality, David. Do you guys do anything to get the word out to other business owners, property owners, things like that, to educate them on why this stuff is important? We do. And especially, you know, you think back to last March, April, when, when the world really had a lot of uncertainty around it, we had probably four people in here. That's all they were doing was talking to our customers, educating, um, informing what we knew and what we knew then is different than what we know now. Um, but it was as simple as getting them on the phone, sharing manufacturers, literatures, sharing white papers. Um, but going through what we know, what we didn't know, what we think we could prove, you know, a lot of the products we talk about, you cannot see, taste, or smell. Mm-hmm. So telling a consumer that you're going to spend spend money to do this and we think it might work, we want to make sure they're truly invested in it and they understand what we're doing. And that just takes time. Okay, so I'll, I'll end my last question, piggybacked off of Josh's question, and that is um, how do you educate your technicians on the indoor air quality that you're offering and then – like what snake oil, not snake oil. Like, like how do you get legit. the buy-in? Yeah. How do you get the buy-in we, from? We did the same thing, you know, a, we did it with some internal stuff, but we brought in all the, you know, we, we either through the distributors or through the manufacturers themselves. We did our share of zoom calls because we need, look, the technician is the one, the customer trusts. Mm-hmm. They, anyone else calls your sales guy, telling me someone, when they, have, when they call up Joe, their technician that they've known for 10 years, hey, Joe, your sales guy called me and told me I should. What do you think? And if those guys are not committed and believe and buy into the product, 
they're not going to promote it. Um, so we went through it. We, we you know, we, we rep a few different lines for different um, applications and we brought it brought all the manufacturers in and we asked them a lot of the tough questions that we want to become the expert on. Because, again, we don't want to ask someone for money and not know that we're giving them the right product for their building. Yeah, there's nothing worse than that. Like you ask them for money and this is going to solve your problems. And then a year later, you're like, it doesn't. Psych. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no, David, I appreciate your, your insight and your candidness because um, it's it really is great to hear um, that you've that that you've had success with this and in this. I love that you did this before it was cool, like to say, so to speak. Um, and <clears throat> there's there's so many people who uh, COVID happened and they were like, all right, now it's time for us to start selling indoor air quality, you know, and at that time you opened yourself up for for all kinds of lawsuits and and offering the wrong products because it's whatever your supply house offered or was pushing on you at the time um so it's really cool to talk to someone who has been offering it for years prior to um anything happening pandemic wise so with that being said thank you so much for coming on the show today absolutely thank Thanks, you guys David. for the time yeah, absolutely. And for everybody that's watching, listening to this episode, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Service Business Mastery Podcast. It is a podcast focused on service business owners, managers, and technicians who are considering becoming business owners. Until we talk again next time, uh, have a wonderful and safe week. And uh, another shout out to Josh again. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. See you. Thank you.